0: hello Jordan (laughs) what's up Michael we're here we're live we got a real podcast ahead of us today I'm excited I don't even know what's about to happen that's that's kind of how these operate 95 episodes in video pods are here I got a nice list in front of me what do you how about this I'm going to say a few things (laughs) and you tell me what you want to dive in on. Okay, let's do it. This will be a fun way to start. Okay. All right. I've got a brand new nutrition paradigm that I'm operating from. Wow. Related to clean bulking. Okay. Culking. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Sounds too close to other weird words. Um, uh, Program hopping, except not fitness program hopping, business Mm. program hopping. Um, We got an Eric Roberts question. We got some email questions. I mean, we could riff on therapy is therapy or is it? We got a lot of things that we can talk about today.
1: Okay. Let's start off with your new nutrition paradigm. I like this one. Wow.
0: All right. I'm about five days in. Like, I've. I... <laughs> okay. Let me preface this. The most important factors in building muscle are related to your training, related to your rest and recovery, energy balance getting enough protein/macros being in a in a certain realm. Like that is like the circle of things that matter when it comes to adding muscle. Um we know that food quality is important for health, for longevity, for kind of how you feel on a on the day-to-day. If you're that's that's the preface. We'll leave it at that. I have in the last 5 days started to try to hit my calorie surplus macros consistently while also doing it with traditionally clean foods, Mm -hmm. perhaps for the first time in my life, like hitting 3,400 calories a day from almost exclusively quote unquote, like basically way more vegetables and fruits and whole grains and taking sugar much lower. And I feel a lot better as a result. And in this like N equals one anecdotal minuscule sample size that doesn't matter at all, I have a funny, funny feeling that it's going to positively impact body composition. Why do you think that? Just just feel good. It's just, just there. Yeah. It's just, it's there. It's there. Any ice cream in these macros or no? Have I eaten any ice cream in the last five days? Yeah. No, I haven't. Wow. I know. The wildest thing, it, it's basically a swap of like adding more potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, like traditional bro cleaner Mm. micronutrient dense stuff in place of things like uh, cereal, uh, you know, bread with jam. Like the biggest difference is I'm hitting my 450 grams of carbs a day via like sweet potatoes rather than those other food sources. So sugar's lower, fiber's higher, micronutrient intake is higher. And my like energy focus, like brain activity and general well-being feel it, like body almost feels better as a result in this tiny sample size that doesn't really matter. What about digestion? Well, it's harder to get meals down, right? Like yeah. f- for yeah. anyone who's ever uh, like taken two giant sweet potatoes, prep them however you want to. I peel them, dice them, air fried them with a little bit of olive oil. And it's like, like an entire plate of sweet potatoes, 700 grams, 160 carbs worth of sweet potatoes is an insane amount to eat in one sitting. And, uh, and so maybe there's like some fullness from the food volume, but in general digestion feels really good. That's awesome. We're all behind Jordan on this. So Jordan's been on the fiber train for what feels like years, throwing (laughs) down chia seeds and basil something or other. And you just, you got all the tricks. Listen, man, I'm just excited about this new nutrition paradigm and to watch your body
1: recomposition unfold because when you make that comeback on social media and now that
0: we're doing video pods, you might just be shirtless on these. I told Jordan, (laughs) 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 perhaps the shirtless video podcast. Um, What did you tell me? I told you before this podcast that I was going to stop training lower body before these pods and start training upper because I think- the pump is required for the video podcast, but I don't think I'm actually going to change the schedule for that. Okay.
1: All right. How's your training been going overall? You've been doing some conjugate periodization,
0: some speed work? A little bit of speed work on on the bench specifically. It's going good. How have you liked that? You've enjoyed it? I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's been three sessions of it. Yeah,
1: but you've had five days of this new nutrition paradigm. So I mean, (laughs) three sessions of this should...
0: Uh, so, so here's, here's the only reason I have my speed work as a one and, and I should switch this around because I have a, I have a three by five and a three by 10 bench day. And what I should have done was put the speed work before the three by 10. Um, right now I have it before the three by five. So I'm having a harder time making strength progress on B one on my three by five flat barbell bench, because it's after six sets of speed work. Are you feeling fatigued after the speed work? No, I'm not okay you know it's it's such a you know even on like my higher day, yeah, it's like sixty percent, so i'm I'm no, but i I can tell that it is affecting me because on the mm-hmm. other bench day it it I feel fresher it's yeah. good though it's it's okay. good, I enjoy it i'm you know it's the first time I've ever done it, and it's it's feeling pretty good, and it looks good, fast explosive, I'm trying trying. What else? Dude, you're running this podcast. I'm just peeing it up. (laughs) Well, I gave you all the options of what we can talk about. (laughs) We got email (laughs) questions too, from, uh, from people who are subscribed to the, to the, how to become a personal trainer email list, which I think, did we promise weekly emails last week? Did we make that statement? No way. I I mean, you know, I don't remember, but we were talking about silver bullet Sunday and like bringing back a weekly email. Did we promise a weekly email? We didn't promise. We didn't promise. We were kicking the idea around. Okay. Yeah. I could see us kicking it.
1: I don't, I could never imagine promising that. That's a big promise.
0: I think we should do a monthly email newsletter.
1: Our younger selves would be so embarrassed of our older selves right now. Yeah. Yeah. They just said a weekly email is a big promise. Like you (laughs) lazy
0: motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's, Dude, when I think about how I want to structure the future of like my day to day and my business, it revolves around not spending too much time sitting down and being like computer phone centric. Dude, a hundred. That's why. Because I got three
1: back to back to back podcasts today. And I was like, man, I'm just going to spend like three and a half hours
0: straight just sitting down staring at my computer. Well, and that's even way better and easier than staring at your computer Doing and something typing. that, yeah. exactly, exactly. Writing yeah, yeah. emails, something along those lines. Um, I wonder, I've actually thought about this in trying to have an optimal podcast setup. Would walking during a podcast ruin the audio? I think for... Your and my standards, no, but
1: for like an audio engineer, I think it would drive them absolutely bananas. They would just be so mad. They'd be like, what the fuck is this little humming in the background?
0: What if it wasn't on a walking pad? What if you were actually moving through space and time?
1: (laughs) What a way to phrase that question. What if you're actually like, you mean in terms of like just walking around your apartment? Yes, that would probably be the only way to do it. Because like, I don't can do it I don't outside think you can with the wind and stuff wind and
0: noise correct,
1: yeah yeah I mean I think if we got one of those remember the ones that Ryan Fisher had that we did when we were like at that big event if we got those uh headphones that allowed us to walk I've been wanting those for a while because I hate leaning over my fucking desk like this
0: mm. so yeah I mean I think those would actually probably help a lot I mean there's probably an in between ground here and we're brand new this is only like number two, a video podcast, but when it, in terms of setup, rather than being in front of hunched over computer, I wonder if there's a setup where your computer's further away from you and you have a chair that lets your posture be more how you want it than leaned forward. Yeah. I think they have those ones that like you can, they're attached to the desk and you can move
1: the mic around wherever, wherever you want to go. Mm. So, Yeah. But I, I would like to be able to walk during it. I think that would be nice just to get it. Cause I like when I'm on the phone, I stand up and walk around. I
0: am I feel like I'm more creative when I walk, you 100%. know? 100%. It's not just the multitask of moving rather than sitting. It's that the blood flow or whatever you get from moving around enhances your creativity in the conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I get more hyped up when I'm walking around and I can move my arms and stuff. We might need some, we this might need to be a walking podcast. Yeah. Or may maybe an entire th- rebrand around this too. Yeah. The walking PTs. <laughs> Speaking of PTs, Jordan, what do you think about uh Don't even get me started. I know what you're gonna say. It pisses me off, bro. <laughs> this is it not about anyone off. in particular, no one specific. If this feels <laughs> if this feels like we're coming at you, and by the way, we're on a bigger delay here than we used to be, right? So Um, What do you mean? Well, because of the production involved in video podcasts, getting micro content out. Mm. Side note, give us a follow on TikTok, Instagram, all of the places. If you're listening to this, we would really, really appreciate it. Our handle is personal trainer podcast. You know, we're on a, this is week two of 12 on video pods. This is a trial. We're going to see how it goes. And so giving a follow on those channels will really, uh, help us out a lot. And and, uh, yes, please do that. Motivate us to keep doing the video pods. Exactly. Um, What do you think of coaches (laughs) or just people who, you know, might get some advice (laughs) from one person and then a little advice from another person. And they're following this person's business content, and they're following that person's business podcast. And there's essentially nine different people who have nine different philosophies. You got the, you got the content creators, you have the, the cold DMers, you have the uh, hire a videographer and make movie-like quality on a weekly basis. And, and this person might say like, you know, I tried uploading on Instagram, and that didn't work. And then I, I I hired a videographer for like a week and a half, and I didn't get any clients from that. And I cold DM'd like 13 people, and no one signed up for code. Like, just like going from one thing to another, it, it, is that an effective strategy? <laughs> people watching the video right now can see Mike's face.
1: Is that? Do you think that's an effective strategy? <laughs> no, it's fucking worthless. Just like when. You have a a fitness client who's, who imagine you have a fitness client who, you know, I'll give you another, I'll give you rather than imagine, I will outline a real, like a a legitimate scenario. This hasn't happened yet, but like, this is going to be, this is how ridiculous it, it sounds. Let's say I have someone who signs up for my inner circle. Okay. They sign up for my inner circle and they start doing my workouts. And unbeknownst to both of us, they also hire you to do their workouts and now this client is going between both of us being like well hey so i'm doing your workouts but i also hired another coach to also do my workouts and so jordan i see that you put sumo deadlifts in my program but my other coach says that sumo deadlifts are a waste of time so why am i doing this and what should i do instead and in my mind i'm like why the fuck did you just hire another coach to do your workouts when you already hired me to do your workouts? And this is what we see people doing with business all the time now. And these coaches are the first ones to make fun of clients who do stupid shit like that. But then they're hiring multiple business coaches, taking advice from multiple business coaches. And listen, it's, it's one thing to take advice from people for free, like to follow different accounts and to like to get different ideas, that's fine. But when you hire someone, you should go all in on what that person does. Like when when you hire someone to, to do your coaching, you should go, like realistically, you don't have to unfollow other people, but stop taking the advice of other people. Just follow what that person says for at least three months straight, just what that person is telling you to do. And then if you wanna hire someone else, go for it. That's totally fine. But hiring multiple people at the same time you're inherently going to be getting mixed reviews. You're going to be getting mixed ideas and they probably all work, but you're not giving any of them enough of a chance to see any of it work. So you're just going to end up spinning your wheels.
0: So hmm. those hmm. are my thoughts, Mike. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> the the same thing. And we know this because we kind of riffed on it a little bit this morning when we were talking, but uh, that is the the kicker is, there are so many different ways to get it done. There's so many ways to grow a business. There's so many ways to grow an online personal brand. There's so many ways to get new online coaching clients. It's committing to one and executing on it. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to say it doesn't matter which one, like obviously you and I are, are much bigger fans of um, like a jab, 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 right hook method of helping as many people as possible for free and then on the back end of that it's it's like a slow burn business growth but also you're you're doing the right thing in the short run that ends up being both the right thing and the most lucrative in the long run rather than this you know we can make you 10k in your first three weeks in the program kind of like like Mm -hmm. hook and then that person you know has to cold dm a thousand people a day or whatever that whatever it might be um that being said, they can all work, but you have to follow through with the one that you choose and choose the one that makes the most sense for you and and then execute and then blinders go on. And then I'm not letting other information get in and affect my strategy. I already have my strategy. I'm just doing. It's it's very similar to our
1: our views on fitness, right? Where it's like, yeah, I think keto is stupid for the vast majority of people because most people aren't gonna be able to sustain it. But if someone says to me like, hey, listen, I have been doing keto for seven years and I've seen great results and I, you know, I feel better and I don't crave carbs or want carbs and I feel great. Then, then awesome. That's fantastic. I fully support that as long as you're healthy and happy and you can do it consistently. Same thing with business stuff. It's like everything works. The stuff that you and I talk about, I think the reason that you and I have the, a business together and this podcast together and do so much is because like our morals and our ethics align so much. And, and, and our tactics also align so much as a result of it. For example, you and I were talking the other day about how I'll never forget when we were sitting in your apartment in in Manhattan, and we both realized that we both did the exact same thing with emails, where like we would go out of our way to to send a personalized email to each individual who signed up for our email list. Before you and I knew each other, before we knew like anything, like this is in, like 2012, we're like sending personalized emails to every single person who signs up for our email list. It's just like it makes so much sense that we get along because we have the same values and morals and and standards by which we hold ourselves for our business. Whereas there are other people in the industry who do very well, especially from a, a business perspective, but we don't agree with what they do. It doesn't feel right for us in the same way that keto doesn't feel right for me. And I still might be friends with people who do keto, but I'm not going to do it because it doesn't. it's not a good fit for me. So if the reality is this, if you <laughs> – If cold DMing 100 people a day doesn't sound like a good fit for you, then that's probably not a good fit for you. But if you hear, oh, yeah, cold DM 100 people a day, I could do that. No problem. Like, I would love to do that. Then go for it. That's fine. To me, that sounds fucking awful. And I would rather spend that time making free content that helps people than just cold DMing 100 people with the intent of trying to uh, get a sale on the back end. But You have to find what works best for you. Like that's what it all boils down to. And when you hire multiple different people telling you to do multiple different things, it's all going to get convoluted and you're not going to know which one is quote unquote right. When in reality, it just all boils down to what suits you best.
0: Yeah. Well said. What's funny about that, uh, I don't remember if it was 2016 or 2017, but when we were having that realization that we had been doing the same things for many years, we were simultaneously in our inboxes, looking back at emails from 2012, 2013 and like looking at the old emails in the sent folder of our inboxes. Like here's where, like (laughs) here's where I was sending all these, having these, like (laughs) here's my lead magnet one-on-one just firing them out. I'm going to pull up, uh, Mr. Eric Roberts had a question. Eric's, uh, Eric's a coach. He's been in the mentorship for I think over two years now. He's an absolute. I mean, he just dominates uh, on on the content creation on the business side. Like he's someone who has done a very very good job. Um, and uh, and he had a question that he specifically said, "Hey, do you and Jordan want to talk about this on the podcast?" So I figured, why not question for you and Jay to maybe jam on the podcast. Um, I have about 40,000 on my email list currently and I'm sending emails five times per week, honestly because I because I enjoy doing it. I'm providing a ton of value in the emails. Uh, he's recently seen his open rate jump up to the 45 to 50 percent range, which is crazy. and and he said, his his concern is that he's seen a rise in unsubscribes on each email that he sends. So I guess what I'm asking, although a 45 to 50 percent open rate may be good, is it actually good if I'm seeing 50 to 100 unsubscribes per email? Just wanted to get your perspective and thoughts on it. And I asked him uh, because this is relevant how long he's been sending 5x a week. You know, if it, if he's been doing it for an entire year and he's still getting 50 to 150 unsubscribes per email, there's probably something off there. But if he just started doing this recently, it it makes a lot more sense. I also asked him what his email frequency was in the one to two years before he started doing this. And he said the five X per week just started in the last month or so. And before that he was doing, Oh, so before that he was doing twice a week in the last three to five months prior, And before that, very minimally opening or very minimally sending emails, just anticipation for launches. Um, If it helps, I feel I have a pretty good gauge on the audience. And for the most part, I get really good feedback from the people who do reach out. Uh, But I also know there are unsubs, but I also know there are the unsubs there. So clearly something has to give, LOL. Like MJ tells Kobe, his Prime 96 could beat Kobe's Prime 08. Never forget it. <laughs>
1: listen, so what I mean here's the thing, as long as your subscribes are are more than your unsubscribes on a i would say on a monthly basis, that's the most important from that perspective like I don't care like if you had A 1,000 people on your email list and you were getting 100 to 150 unsubscribes per email, like, yeah, that's a big problem. But with 40,000 on the list, with a 40 to 50% open rate, 100 to 150 unsubs per email really isn't that bad, especially if you're getting like way more than that on a monthly basis. Um, If your unsubscribes are significantly higher than your subscribes, you've got a real problem. Uh, I would say over like a three-month period, like I would gauge that. But what might be happening is you just might have a fair amount of people who are like, yeah, I don't need this anymore. And it's not like they don't like you. And it's not like they might not follow you on social media. They're just like, yeah, like my email is pretty clogged up. I don't, I don't read them anyway, so I don't need it. So what is important to, to make them aware of is if you're sending out emails four to five times a week and they see your content on social media all the time, they have to know there's a reason to stay on the list. And the reason might be like, hey, when I do a launch, like you're going to get a discount or you're going to like, you're going to get like first dibs. Some, there's a reason for them to stay on the list. So you have to give them something that they're not getting on social media, that they're not getting elsewhere, that I would make sure that's very clear and that they know that's why they're on the list. Um, th- one of the benefits of, of making that so clear is essentially they're going to now stay on the list so you can sell to them which is like a huge mindset shift. When people are on an email list knowing that they're gonna get better deals, It's, it's still a deal. It's to, to buy something from you. So when something comes, when a sale comes, they're not going to be upset because that's why they're on the list in the first place. So give them that understanding from the very beginning and like, Hey, listen, like, why are you on this list? Yes. So I can send you this information. Yes. So you can see it, but maybe you're also seeing it on social media. So it seems overkill. I want you to know, like, because you're on my list and I really appreciate you, like you're going to get first dibs when big things come out, you're going to get discounts. You're going to get all of this. So make sure they know that. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about that many unsubscribes as long as your subscribes are are more than that at the end of the month and your open rate and conversions are still doing well.
0: I agree. I also think there's a uh there's a conversation to be had right now where you and I might not know the exact answer but has to do with the the shifting kind of uh, type of content that is doing well or not doing well on social and the increase in people, the increase in the number of creators and how much those people are creating. So here's what I mean. There are a lot of people who do email marketing really well, who send daily emails or five X a week emails. Those Mm -hmm. people are usually very good writers, very entertaining writers. They also usually not always, but usually aren't like absolutely crushing content across the board. They're Mm -hmm. not, they're not doing like multiple TikToks, multiple YouTubes, like just hammering everything and writing daily emails. They're usually email focused. Eric, Eric is banging the drums across the board. Yeah. And, And so I don't know if this is my personal bias toward less frequent email in this like world where, where we are drowning in content to consume, like there's literally infinite scrolls and stuff to read and there's just so much out there but i actually think that um a lower frequency of emails written and and this is partly because an email to your list is purely like adding value to the people who already follow you there's no distribution upside there's there's Unless you're just phenomenal and you're like asking people to forward this to your friends, you're not growing as a result of that email. Whereas if that time and energy, say instead of 5X, you go back to 2X and you, and you do one extra YouTube long form video a week that's SEOed well, etc. Or, or you get an extra article per month as a result of reallocating that time toward that thing. You, you get more organic reach and mm-hmm. more new audience than you do focused on email. And I don't, and this could be where the personal bias is because I don't need to hear from anyone 5X a week, 2X a week is plenty, especially if I'm following them in all these other places. I feel like using that time elsewhere would be more beneficial. I completely agree.
1: I 100% agree. There's no question. I would say if you're purely an email marketer, and not on other platforms very much, then daily emails makes tons of sense. But if you're like Eric here, who's who's posting multiple times a day across Instagram, across YouTube, across articles, across TikTok, all this stuff, I think email should just be a place where maybe maybe once a week at most is really where you need it. And until you decide, hey, I'm going to launch something and then, and then, Hey, get on my list. I'm going to email you a bunch over this launch duration, but using it more as an ability, Hey, like I've got your email. I've got your contact information just in case, maybe give like a weekly recap of some of your, mo- your best content. Hey, I don't know if you saw this or I don't know if you saw this article, but like here's some of my best content over the last week. And then otherwise
0: saving that stuff for, for big launches. I think you're hundred percent right. Yeah. I, I just think that's a, A better use of that time spent, Um, and and also so much of writing emails is so that you're not the guy who only emails when you're selling something. Correct. Correct. Right. Basically, me for the last three years, even well, even
1: that's what I've been doing mostly, and you know that's where I think having a little bit of social media and email is the best of both worlds, right? Where it's like the the way that I I basically talk about it. I'm like, listen, people are trying to hack my, my Instagram constantly trying to hack my, my stuff constantly. So regularly let's say like, Hey, get on my email list. And even the opt-in page says, Hey, just in case I get hacked, like sign up because people are constantly trying to do it. And it is a legitimate worry. Well, now I have all their contact information. And then I can say like, Hey, like when I do my sale two to three times a year at most, I'll be able to contact you. And people have been very receptive to that. Like it's, but people have been like, they've really enjoyed it. So it's, uh, I think it's one of those things where they know when they're signing up for it. Like they're not signing up for daily emails. They're not signing up for another email to be in their inbox. Cause realistically, most people, they're not going to read an email every day. Like it's, Their email is so clogged up most of the time anyway, and they're often more on their social media. I think having one email a week that is just based around, here's like three of my best pieces of content over the last week that I think you'll really enjoy that you link them to maybe one on Instagram, one on YouTube, one on your website. Like that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Let's talk briefly. This isn't going to be a super in-depth, but I want to touch on it. You know, we're, we're capped here on our, on our time today, this week. We got 24 more minutes roughly let's let me ask you this and uh, it's a question about me but then it's going to lead to a <laughs> it's going to lead to a more like educational conversation robert de niro <laughs> if you're watching you're, the video you're ready? pod you know <laughs> you yeah okay yeah i'm ready knowing me why do you think that i enjoy High bar back squatting more than low bar back squatting hmm, let me think about this, okay, so I'm gonna sort of think out
1: loud. I love that so so you prefer high bar over low bar mm-hmm, okay, so here's historically, Mike has had some back issues um you've had some back issues, you also have some neck issues uh now, there are many reasons for this um I think. That high bar back squatting forces you to keep a more upright torso. You cannot bend over like you can in a low bar. And when you do it with a low bar, it's actually it's it helps you to bend over a little bit more because if it's if you don't, then the bar is going to slide right off your back. It's going to hurt yourself. So with a low bar, you bend over more, which can help you lift more weight, but also can like in some cases it might tweak your back, especially if you lift too much weight too quickly. High bar forces you to have an upright torso. You can't cheat it. So you probably inherently are limited in how much weight you're going to be able to lift because you have to stay upright, which helps make your back feel better. That would be my analysis.
0: I, I think that's spot on. And and just interesting sidebar, <laughs> De Niro, interesting sidebar, is uh since I started training my neck directly, which is supposed to be like a 15 minute 15 minutes twice a week, but it's really like 15 minutes once a week or once every 10 days. I'm not as on using it as the I iron should neck? be. I'm using the iron neck. I'm also just doing weighted flexion and extension. Nice. Um my neck injury neck tweaking like neck discomfort has gone close to zero since i've started training it which is cool and and also pisses me off because i'm 35 it's like why wasn't i doing this 15 years ago like like somehow i was in the mindset of of uh I, i don't know of training it could potentially lead to hurting it versus where i don't think like that with any other body part or muscle group um so, so that's that's the update on the neck right now. Uh, I agree with everything you just said, and and the the shitty part is, you're basically everyone once they get better at high bar versus low bar, is going to be stronger on a low bar back squat, and so mm-hmm. and so strength is capped um, on high bar. But I agree completely from a from the low back perspective. There's also I I feel I don't think I actually lack the upper body mobility but it's so much more comfortable on like my chest shoulders upper back to high bar than it is to low bar just getting my my upper back and my shoulders and and like where my grip is in the right position on a low bar back squat is much more uncomfortable for me whereas a high bar it's it's like I don't even think about it yeah, I mean, it requires far less
1: shoulder external rotation, like far less external rotation of the shoulders and, and far less uh, extension of the shoulders as well. So it's a, it's just a much more comfortable position. Yeah. Really, the only people who would be, who tend to be stronger, low, uh, high bar over low bar are people with ridiculously short femurs. So they have super short femurs so that like that moment arm is just ridiculous and those those are the people who love squats like these people are like oh squats are great i don't know why everyone can't get so deep it's like well yeah, yeah your femurs are like 2 inches long
0: yeah they're they're the people who love squats and the people who have the most seemingly beautiful squats yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's 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 a good exception to call out you know what i actually think i said this last week but then we never we never answered the question. This is from Siren Sierran Siaran McHugh. McHugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, brother, for just butchering you. I would think it's Syrian, which sounds like you know, sounds like a cool name out of Peaky Blinders, kind of. Uh, but C I. How do you spell it? <laughs> I'm getting there. I just, I just completely dismantled my desktop accidentally. Though, hang on. CIA r-a-n c-i-a-r oh is he irish he's irish i would imagine
1: yes yeah well i want to hear you say it since you see you have it in front of you this is difficult i got to put it in my head c-i-a-r-a-n
0: is it kieran oh it could be but isn't kieran with a k bro i don't know kieran McHugh. that's a pretty cool name Yeah, Kieran McHugh. Kieran, let us know. Leave a five-star review and let us know in the review how to pronounce your name. (laughs) Kieran says, hey, guys, can't imagine you're stuck on content ideas, but on the slim chance, I would love to hear you talk slash answer some of the following. Um, Basically, Kieran wants to know, Jordan, did you ever watch Batman Begins on Mike's recommendation? (laughs) I didn't yet. I didn't. I've been. I've been watching Breaking Bad. I've been
1: obsessed with Breaking Bad. I'm almost done with it, but no, I have not watched Batman Begins yet. Also, The Hunger Games. Wow, The Hunger Games blew me away. That was an amazing series that I just finished.
0: I I also like The Hunger Games. It it pales in comparison to that Batman trilogy. Really? Yes. Oh wow. Yes. Okay, I need to watch the whole trilogy. Okay. Um, we'll save the Batman Begins analysis for, uh, the next once, pod. Well, no, I don't want to make that promise, but once you've watched it. Okay. Is it Batman Begins the first one? Obviously, cause it's the begins. It's the first, it's the first in the, in this trilogy in the Christian Bale Batman's. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So we got to put that one on pause. Um, wait, was that the, that was the only question? <laughs> no, there's, he's got another one here. <laughs> Uh, other questions, client check-ins, how often via email and if once a week on average, how much back and forth is there between you and a client in that one check-in and does it usually end up being back and forth for a couple days due to, due to delays and reply from clients? I found that with a handful of clients I've worked with, uh, the only client online I have at the moment, I do a check-in on Sunday, but then I end up not getting a reply either until late Sunday or the day after, and I'm trying to troubleshoot and expand on more things, but then at most I might get a second or third reply, or they still don't really provide information slash their opinions. And when they do, it's very vague. I feel like I'm trying to get a deeper understanding, but not really getting there. Hope that makes sense. P.S. Jordan, big congrats. You look so chuffed and proud when you, big congrats on the baby. You look so chuffed and proud when you hold her. Thank you very much. I'm going to start using the word chuffed.
1: I love that. Irish. (laughs) I'm very chuffed. (laughs) (laughs) hope we got hope we're pronouncing your name right as well please let us know um do you want to start with this you're on me too uh the
0: the first thing we'll say is or that i'll say is that this is definitely something that will happen and because you i think you said you have one online client right now the fact that this one online client is potentially being a uh Vague or maybe not the most enthusiastic, or not replying immediately, like that's extremely normal. Not only is it the nature of email that you're not necessarily going to be going back and forth over the course of a single day, um, it's just that's the way that some people respond to check ins and and email in general. And some for some clients, you are going to have to ask more questions and you are going to have to press them a little bit to get that information out. Whereas other clients, you might ask how they're doing and and get, you know, seven paragraphs. So it depends on the person. Um, and, and it's not abnormal to, uh, even have even if they are giving proper replies, it's not abnormal to go back and forth over the span of a few days to get to the bottom of something or to solve whatever issue is going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Some, some clients,
1: you're gonna send an email, and they will reply within a minute, like uh, literally as soon as you send an email, they'll reply right back. And other people, they they will ghost you, and other people they'll take uh, twelve hours. Other people will take seventy-two hours. There's a whole gamut, and as you work with more and more and more clients, you'll notice these different trends and patterns. Um, I always tried to figure out, like based on the questions and the way they answered questions in my preliminary analysis of someone before I took them on as a client, which type of client they would be. And like, no matter what, I just couldn't figure it out. The, the only consistent was, if someone wrote massive, like 2000 word answers to the questions that you asked them in the preliminary screen, that's probably what their emails were going to be like. So just be aware if someone is very wordy in the preliminary thing, they're probably going to be very wordy in their emails to you on a regular basis. Um, for the, in terms of client check-ins and how it works, this is also another example of you have to do what works best for you as a coach. And I know I went through multiple systems. Like I tried many different strategies throughout the early parts of my career until I landed on what worked well for me. And, and I landed on daily check-ins. Monday through Friday, daily check-in, send me your weight every morning, send me your calories and protein from the day before, and any questions that you have. And, and Mike traditionally has done a one-time-a-week check-in with his clients. They're, they both have pros and cons, and it really just depends on which one you prefer and which one feels right for you. Um, I wouldn't have multiple options I wouldn't have, well, some clients can do this, check in daily, and other clients can check in weekly. I would not do that. I would f- try it, try each system, figure out which one works for you best, and stick with that, and have the clients fall into your system. Don't try and fit yourself into whatever the clients want, because that's a recipe for disaster. Um, after a certain point, I know, event- like, let's say once you get to 50 clients you're going to have a number of those clients replying immediately back to you as soon as you send them an email. You're going to have other clients who are ghosting you and other clients who are taking like a more normal timeframe to get back to you. So what what I would actually recommend is they have an amazing feature on Gmail where you can delay when an email sends. And this, is, this became very helpful for me as my client roster got more and more loaded where I was getting a lot of anxiety from email because I would, you know, have a lot of emails in my inbox and I would try and be emptying it. But as I was emptying it, they were coming right back in. So I'd be like, Oh man, I'm trying to get this empty. I'm trying to get this empty. But as soon as I send an email, I would get people replying back and it would just increase my anxiety. So one thing that you can do is you can delay an email. Like so you could write and send all your client emails. You can also pause your inbox so emails don't come back into it, but, what I would do is is I would write the email and I would set a delay so it wouldn't be sent for like 12 hours. So all of those emails would be spent, sent about 12 hours from that point. That way I could send all those emails. they'd be out of my inbox the inbox would be empty and then 12 hours later those would be sent then I could I knew in about 12 hours that's when the emails would start coming in again. That's a very good strategy for as your client roster grows and also pausing your inbox to sort of deal and manage with that anxiety like you send them, you know you're not going to get it in for you're gonna get any emails in until you unpause your inbox. But for right now, especially when you've got, I'd say, between 1 and 12 or 1 and 15 clients, you have the freedom to try and experiment with new systems and try new things because like, you don't have that big of a roster yet. You have more time and flexibility with that. So at, at least once a week check-ins, if not daily, I would say one of the major pros of a weekly check-in means that you don't necessarily have as many daily emails one of the pros of the daily check-ins is is you often can uh rather than one big check-in weekly you might get smaller smaller emails on a day-to-day basis so it's not
0: as big of a check-in once a week but figuring out which one is better for you the, the main reason for that like delaying an email being sent is because you're trying to reply to all your emails you're trying to get that inbox to zero and that anxiety i would imagine came from the fact that you know you got 40 emails, you replied to one, you're working on another one, while you're working on another one, that person replied and it's like, I'm not making any progress here on my inbox Correct. because they keep coming in as I'm sending them out. Exactly, So that's a, a yeah. strategy that allows you to actually get to inbox zero. Such a genius
1: invention by, by Google and Gmail where they're like, uh, they allow you to pause your inbox or delay the email being sent. It's just, it's so helpful and it's really, really good. They also have, something, I don't know if this is a plugin where you can see if someone's read your email, that's really good for clients who are ghosting. Like, and you can see like, and and what I used to do is like, I used to, if I had a client that started to ghost, I would send those emails just to make sure they were okay. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, cool. At least they're reading it. At least like
0: they're getting it. So cool. I'm good. So that, that is another very good tool to have as well. Then, you know, it's more likely that perhaps that person, you know, is, is not following the program, might be a little embarrassed, might, might not want to reply for that reason, rather than something actually happened to him or her that is leading to like your client not responding. Yeah. Real, real, real quick back in the short femurs. I just had a thought. Obviously (laughs) those, obviously those people are going to be more comfortable uh, performing a high bar back squat. is, is, if their life depended on it, and I'm and I guess I'm not talking like the one percent of the of the spectrum in terms of of femur length, but if their life depended on it from a strength perspective, you still think that high bar is the way over a five year window that they could maximize their one rep max squat strength?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there are some people who are just built that way. Where for sure, like be based on their torso length and their femur the length ratio yep. and their tibia length. Yeah, like some people are just going to be way more efficient with a high bar. They're very, they're fewer and far between. But that's actually why, like when we look at some of the best Olympic lifters, some of them have that exact build. And it's just like, God, how are they so damn upright in this squat? Yeah, it's it's that's what's best for them. Those are the elite of the
0: elite of the elite. And then, and then you have people like me trying to emulate that Correct. as like, as like a 20 year old and being like, why does my squat not look like that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Why in the hell does it look like they're just going up and down so easy? And for me, it feels like I have to lean so far forward. Yeah. It's, it's not because of a technique thing as much as it's how they're built. Yeah. Those people are also typically better at conventional deadlifts as opposed to sumo. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. So I have a question from someone, AOK180. He said, what are your thoughts on full body workouts? And I thought that might be a, a something worth discussing just like as a, as a coach. What do you think? What do you think about full body workouts, Mike? I've never
0: been a fan. You want to extrapolate or? I, I'm looking at the <laughs> clock and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know that I can. Um, Be more specific. So our, so full body workout, we're talking three times a week. We're talking how many times are we hitting each muscle group per – like I have to think of the why would I even want to consider a full body workout for this person. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then what are we trying to optimize? Like is this someone who – are we doing full body twice a week because this is a super busy person who only has – 90 minutes per week to train. So we're like, we're giving you a few compounds on day a few compounds on day B 45 minute workouts, each high ROI training. You're not going to make that much progress, but like you can at least get it in and move in the right direction. Yeah. Maybe I wrote an article a long time ago called the hustler's workout plan. That is essentially that, um, Mm -hmm. if it's three days a week, I just like an upper, lower full body or, Mm -hmm. you know, for dudes, upper, lower, upper, uh, just because guys generally want more upper body mass than lower. You can get 18, 24 sets of legs in in one lift. And we know that if volume is equated, it's more optimal to split that volume over two sessions a week, but it's not that far off from putting all that volume in a single workout. Um, so if we're doing three days a week, I just drastically prefer upper, lower, upper or upper, lower full rather than full, full, full. Um, it's so systemically taxing to like hit upper and lower compounds in each workout three, like it it, it just is exhausting. So from a personal preference perspective, and this applies to most people I've seen just the, the sheer willpower and determination required to bring sets close to failure in both the upper and lower body that often is, is difficult to do. When you could get two upper body sessions and two lower body sessions on a four X a week in 45 to 60 minutes per session.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it really depends on how often you're doing the full body workouts. I know some people who do full body workouts three times a week, and I think it's a a bad idea. I don't like doing that because inherently you can't, yeah, or more, You, you can't, you can't go as hard as you want to go every workout when you do, when you train full body every time. I, for, for the inner circle, I have either an upper, lower split where it's lower, upper, lower, upper four times a week, or the three times a week, which is lower body, upper body, full body. And that full body day is brutal. Like that full body, it, it's fucking awful. It's like, it's a little bit longer. It's more intense. I mean, full body workouts are no joke. So if you're going to do full body, I would say it's either on like the last day of that three day split, like where you're lower, upper, full or someone who's training only two times a week and they've just got to get something in that's the most bang for their buck in the least amount of time possible. And when they do that, they're probably not going to get as many sets in as they need for optimal growth for each body part. It's really just more of like a strength and performance and hey, let's just make sure we get some movement and strength training in. So like that's going to be more of a full body from the perspective of one set or or one exercise per movement as opposed to, like doing X amount of sets per muscle group. So making sure we're getting upper body push, upper body pull, lower body push, lower body pull. That's really going to be the, how we structure it from that perspective, just from a general health. But if we're talking about any time, type of performance or any type of aesthetic uh, improvement, anything in that sense,
0: like that's not going to be your 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 ideal scenario at all. Well, on that upper lower full in that day three full, you're essentially combining the volume from days three and four in an upper Correct. lower split, which is if you're going to have the the proper number of sets per muscle group over the course of the week. And therefore that workout three is going to be a long grueling workout. Most people just aren't like physically or mentally capable of the, you know, say your first four or five exercises. Sure. You can bring the intensity, but on that full body day, it's going to be like eight to 10 exercises most people don't have enough sleep, rest, recovery, calories, nutrition in order to fuel that. And even if they do, it's still a brutal workout. Like your, your seventh, eighth, ninth exercises, good luck bringing the same intensity that, that you could, if you split that volume up over uh, more days. Yeah. The wherewithal needed to get through that workout is, is insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm You got another podcast. This was great. Video pods, episode 95. I got it. We're about to hockey stick. Hockey stick incoming. Please leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Helps the podcast grow. Personal Trainer Podcast. That's the handle. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Look for it. Follow. We we would really appreciate it. We're uh, we're really going to start to try and grow this thing. This is becoming more than a passion project as we speak. See you soon. See ya. (laughs)